Righty, on today's episode we had Andy come on, um, fantastic episode, um, Andy's a big um, men's mental health advocate, um, he does a bunch of stuff around this, um, I'll list all the things down in bio, the bio below as well, um, so I don't have to ramble on too much in the intro, um, in this conversation we did a big reflection on Andy's trip up to Queensland in 2021 and how much growth he got out of it. I'm um, spoken to men's health, men's mental health, and a bunch of other things. It's just such a fun conversation, I'm going to have to say. So, and I highly suggest go check out all Andy's work. It's phenomenal. Um, he does so much stuff. It's so cool. And yeah. And then before we jump in today's episode, um, that if you want to create a bit more emotional freedom in your life, I have a bunch of services for you. So just head over to my website. Also, too, got my um, t-shirts, as you can see in the um, video format if you're listening on audio just head over to my website and you can purchase a shirt from there and other than that hope you enjoyed today's episode let's get into it awesome man welcome to the show how are you today man yeah pretty good thanks Mitch um, it's been a little while since we actually caught up in person mm-hmm. up on the sunny coast of course but I'm looking forward to catching up with you again in the not too distant future but overall I'm doing pretty well thank you for a Friday that's good to hear, man. And yeah, definitely it's good now that, that restrictions are starting to kind of ease off so we can kind of start moving about. And there's a sense of feel that's like, you know, there's a bit of security to be able to make these moves now that, you know, everything seems to be dying down and all that. So, but yeah, I think like, I think the best place to start off is like, I guess how we actually kind of met through the modern bloke, through mental health, Sean from the modern bloke, I should say and that um and i know that you help out him with a bit of work and that so I'll probably get you to explain the stuff that you do with sean around mental health and all that and then we'll start unpacking a bunch of stuff from there <laughs> yeah interesting place to start isn't it I, was, I had a funny feeling you might uh get me to explain how i fell into the modern bloke and that's a really good question and i don't have the answer and i would i put that in a basket of a bunch of random events in my life that somewhere at a moment in time, and I'm not going to say it's boredom because that sounds a bit disingenuous, but obviously I had a moment in time where I was, you know, flicking through something. And what I'd suggest is that someone somewhere shared something that Sean from the modern bloke under the guise of the modern bloke had posted on Instagram and me being me, I, I, you know, I'm by training 30 years ago as a journalist. So when I see something, it piques my curiosity. I'll follow the, you know, I'll follow the money. And somehow I ended up, you know, clicking my way through and landing possibly on the website, possibly, um, I think if I was being sincere, I answered a call for submissions to the blog. And um, I I have a funny feeling this would have been back in 2020. And um, the bottom line was what he was looking for at the time were were submissions about what it, what it meant, say, for me to define myself as a modern bloke. And at the time, um, I remember what I wanted to do was sort of capture the fact that, um, you know, I'm, I like to see myself as an everyday bloke, but unfortunately, sometimes there are labels and stereotypes assigned to you, whether you want them or not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to live with them, and that's okay. And in particular, I remember sharing with him my experience of my sexuality and Australian rules football. And what I was really trying to get across is 
I'm one of those guys who, yes, is same-sex attracted, but I'm not actually watching football to ogle the footballers. I'm actually watching it because I like the game. And that's because of my upbringing. That's because it was something I was always passionate about. I came from a, we weren't, I wouldn't call us feral supporters, you know, like there is an extreme, we weren't fanatical, but we were, we were very passionate about um, our love of both the, the national game and a local game. And so I remember writing the blog and what I really wanted to highlight was the fact that I just simply like the game for the game, not because of the archetype that the guys playing it. And now of course we've got women playing it, which is fantastic, mm -hmm. um, represent. And there was a particular part of the anecdote or about the blog post, I should say, where I recalled an anecdote where I was the wingman with a mate who was meeting up with someone on a blind date. And in this particular pub, which is very much um, a male only venue and you can draw your own conclusion on that. Uh, fortunately, they did have the football going live on the TV. And, you know, and I just sat there I was the wingman, I was the Uber, if you like. I drove the guy there. I had to wait until the date had finished and then drove home. And all I wanted to do is, and I'm, I, although I come across as quite social, I'm actually quite antisocial in the right environment. And I just want to sit there and watch the footy. Didn't care what else was going on around me. But it, that in itself attracted attention. And I remember trying to explain to random people who were coming up going, so you're sitting here in a corner on your own in this pub. Do you know where you are? Yes, I do. You do realise this isn't a regular sports bar. Yes, I'm aware of that. Um, so are you watching the game because you're interested in the game or are you watching the game because you're trying to pick who you'd like to sleep with? No, none of that. I'm actually watching the game because I'm invested in it. Like I said, it's my team. I want to see it. And what I took away from that was that at the end of the day, we're all guys. We're cut from different shades, different cloth. But at the end of the day, we're all guys. We'll have our interests and what drives those interests um, is what differentiates us. But at the end of the day, uh, it just made me laugh. Like I remember driving home, the date didn't go well, by the way. And I remember driving home, we were kind of debriefing, but probably 15, 20 minute drive. And about 17 minutes of that was all about the date. And about the last three minutes was about my night, which was not that exciting, but yeah. you know, I had to sort of say, yeah, you know, it was what it was. And that's pretty much how I, I became part of the modern bloke. But I think the turning point, Mitch, and I know you were part of this as well, was during lockdown, during the first national lockdown, um, Sean created a space on Thursday nights where we'd come together. And sometimes there was an issue or a theme or a, um, a topic that we'd discuss. Mm -hmm. And other times it was pretty much, I guess you'd call it beer and banter. And that became a really interesting space because particularly for someone like me who lives alone um, in a city which can be seemingly quite bustling and busy, but you bring a lockdown into that, it becomes quite a lonely experience. And so that became a kind of a social outlet. Mm -hmm. And um, I found it a really interesting experience to learn what other guys had gone through in their lives and to learn um, and to connect, if you like, with those experiences. My experience is very different to theirs and, and vice versa. But I guess yeah. from that, the diversity. I was and, gonna, yeah, because I was going to stop you there. And like, I perfectly um, 
agree with that, especially me being a lot, like probably a lot younger in the group as well. And then everyone else sharing their ideas and what they've been through. And that also helped me with a lot of stuff and then realize the similarities in a lot of things. And even though we all come from different backgrounds, different age groups and all that kind of stuff, that it was quite similar of how, you know, what stuff came up for us and how we felt. And it was quite healthy, I guess, even, I don't want to use the word debate, but that's what's coming to my head, like healthy debates around stuff. And it was quite cool to see everyone communicating, you know, healthily around, like around every subject. Absolutely. I think the word I'd put to what we're talking about is respectful discussion. That's the (laughs) I mean, and there were times when, and even now to this day, there are moments in that ongoing respectful discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the, the other guys might call it banter, but for me, it is respectful discussion at times because I forget that there is an age difference between you and I, mm-hmm. between me and the rest of the guys. And um, not once, unless I've made a thing about it, has that, has if you like, the, the age differential been an issue. You know, it might be that certain things happened before most of you were born. Uh, and that's great. And I can talk about it from a, yeah, I was there. You know, it's kind of like, I suppose, my parents talking about, man landing on the moon, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. I've had those moments, which by comparison occurred similarly. But I think the, the most important thing about that was the, the fact that we would meet people, um, particularly guys from such a wide range of backgrounds who were doing so many amazing things. And, you know, from that, particularly when we're all in lockdown, a little bit confused about, hey, how is 2020 going to play out? Um, it became a really great way to come together and actually try and understand what it meant to be um, a guy in the current age. And it just so happened that if you like the the lockdown and the pandemic more broadly, kind of forced us all into the same room, figuratively speaking, Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And I think, you know, the the legacy of that experience has been fantastic. Uh, And so, you know, in summary, I think, you know, the modern bloke was about a sense of connection. It was a kind of a curiosity to start off with. Um, but because there is a lot of really important work around, particularly men's mental health, and I'm not shy in the fact that a lot of the work that I do is specifically around men's mental health, and in particular in my industry area. But most importantly, I think a lot of it is about, well, you know, our world and in my lifetime, our culture has gone through a lot of change and it will continue to evolve and change too. And every now and then it doesn't hurt to sort of stop and go, all right, so we've embraced a lot of new values, we've challenged existing paradigms, but where does that actually leave us? You know, mm-hmm. where, where does this leave us um, as one part of the species? And, and to sort of question, you know, is what's happening right? Um, do we subscribe to this still and so forth? So I think that's really where it all sort of started for me. Mm, which is, yeah, it's pretty much, uh, I guess, almost the same thing. Like, um, I it was the same thing I went through. I was going through Instagram one night, I think one of Sean's posts. I don't know. I can't, can't remember off the top of my head if he liked one of my posts or like one of his posts and then we kind of started following each other and then started following a lot of his work. And then as someone like as myself, I've grown up in a female only household. I didn't really have any, many male role models apart from teachers. But back then when I was, you know, in my adolescence that I didn't kind of really respect anyone that had authority over me. And even if they could help me out, I was kind of, you know, stuck in my own little rut. And it was kind of my, like, I guess it's, you know, exploring into different avenues of looking at groups that 
I guess, especially male groups that focus around mental health. And it's probably one of the top groups that I always recommend for people to go look at because like I'm a part of different avenue groups. You get your super well-being groups and all that. And I find that the modern bloke groups kind of that middle ground as like when you're starting to, you know, discover like I want to do something about mental health, want to connect with other men that are on, kind of on similar journeys, but we all have different backgrounds and different interests and all that. And that's probably the most important thing with this group of how diverse and how middle it is compared to some other groups that I'm a part of can be so far one way and that, and then that's when you kind of start losing disconnection with, I guess, the general bloke that's yeah. looking for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, you know, um, I, I guess, you know, to sort of, because it sits with this whole concept of 2021, let's finish where, let's mm. perhaps consider the modern bloke and the end of 2021, because you mm. opened the conversation with that. Mm. On the Tuesday night, so the Tuesday night before Christmas, we, we had our kind of get together. I mean, mm -hmm. it was basically just an excuse to get together and eat. And I remember at one point during the evening, you know, you just sort of step back, you know, when you sort of step out of your existence, you kind of have this kind of helicopter view of what's going on around you. And um, I'm going to be bold and say, I think at that night, at that venue, the five of us who were there were the funniest, most engaged five in the entire bar, not with other people necessarily, but just within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what you witnessed were five people who respected each other enough that, you know, you could have a joke and a laugh at someone's expense, but it was always within kind of the safe zone. You know, mm -hmm. it was never, no, never overtly um, crossing the line. And I remember at the end of it, um, when I made the smart move being the older wise one of the group to exit, you know, at an appropriate time and let them go on. The key thing for me was um, walking away from that thinking, wow, that, that experience defines for me what it feels to be truly included. Mm -hmm. And that I think is how I would define my experience with the modern bloke. It is nothing short of inclusive. And we don't have to agree with each other. In fact, you know, as you, as you witnessed from time to time, we vehemently disagree with each other. Mm -hmm. Some of us get more passionate about that disagreement than others, but nevertheless, it's done in a way where, you know, it's always focused on the issue. Mm -hmm. Not, oh, Mitch said this, mm -hmm. I'm writing Mitch off. No, no, no. Okay, Mitch holds a particular view, and that's fine. That's his view. That's his lived experience. That's what he chooses to see. I may not agree with that because that may be quite different to my own experience, but at least it's acknowledged. And um, and I think that's where, you know, the, the whole journey with the modern bloke and really sort of discussing some of the issues and sharing our, our lived experience, I think that's really the heart of everything particularly when it comes to men, men's mental health, you know, we've, we hear a lot of catchphrases and I'm not saying they're not right, Mitch, mm. you know, breaking the stigma, you know, all this sort of stuff. Actually in the right environment, one thing guys do well is we do talk, mm -hmm. but it's got to be the right environment. And sometimes the, the invitation or the, the way in which we create that environment is critical. And it's in the language, it's in how making people feel comfortable. Um, it's about acknowledging that everyone has their own journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that once we sort of break into that and people feel very comfortable about being vulnerable and guys, I think by and large, you know, and I do speak from someone who is older, we have changed that narrative. We really have. 
we actually say it's okay to be vulnerable, providing we know we've got people there who can support us in our vulnerability. Mm. We don't have to do it alone. And I think that is the key difference. Mm. We can, we have, and we can and accept to be vulnerable. We just know we don't have to do it on our own. And, uh, and I think that sums up for me anyway, the, the modern bloke experience, particularly for 2021. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'll definitely back you up on that one as well, man, because even over the last year working, because like working in a barbershop, working with a lot of, you know, different men from different background and that, that this, especially in 2021 has been a year that I've noticed that a lot more people just opened up with things and that, and as you're saying, if once you give them the right, us, the right environment, we will open up, we'll talk and all that and then I'm listening to a book by Russell Brand he's talking about AA meetings and they'll just do guys only AA meetings and all of them talk because of the vulnerability there and they hold each other in that space and that and I think that's kind of I guess society's starting to understand that now a little bit better which is kind of cool which is this way I see a lot of these spaces starting to open up and a lot more people opening up absolutely absolutely and um you know I look at the modern bloke and it just so happens to be our equivalent, dare I say it, of a men's shed. You yeah. know, uh, if you ever unpack the men's shed concept and what it's about, it just provides a space for guys who might be, not when I say lonely, they may have retired, they may be missing that social connection through work. They generally are two types of people. They're guys that are just so used to working with the hands, you know, they need the shed. And they may have lost the shit. They may have had to downsize, whatever the reason might be. Or they may have been someone who was more white collar worker, you know, who the, the most extreme thing they ever did was hold a, a vacuum cleaner. Mm. And they want to go and learn something new. And so you've got this beautiful combination between the, the, you know, the master and the apprentice. And so it just provides the space. That's all it is. It's just about providing the space and the philosophy around that space. And I think, you know, simply the modern bloke has been set up uh, it provides that space. It's a brilliant forum I found for for sharing and and connection. And I think the best thing about it is it doesn't hold itself um, outside of the, the of the spectrum mm-hmm. of different organisations that are all doing their part um, for the you know for the the progression of mental health um, and wellness in general. Mm. That's just part of it, and it just holds itself there and says you know hey look there are a whole bunch of services. You know, and sometimes it's about knowing where to where to go to to find the service that's relevant to what you might need at the time. And maybe connecting with someone who's lived experiences, okay, I, this is what I'm going through. Can anyone help me out with this? Um, because I'm not quite sure where to go. And so I think that's a, a brilliant platform for bringing a lot of that stuff together. Mm, most definitely. Um, yeah, I guess it's like also on the topic of 2021 men's stuff that um, I think when you come up to the sunny coast that you're doing a bit of stuff around men's health in 2021. So I'd like to go, you know, dive a bit deep on what you're doing around that and we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, this, uh, I reckon it's a good little story. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <Let's> <laughs> um, gosh, reliving, reliving April, 2021. Yes. <laughs> so the background to that was, um, it was really just a, a holiday it's how it started but the holiday was one where I get to spend time with a long long uh, not suffering long-standing uh, mate uh, I'm just going to call him nuts and um, basically nuts and I we I guess have a very similar 
sort of friendship to the, the same sort of interaction that you see with me and some of the guys from Modern Bloke. And um, so I went to uh, the sunny, or to, to Queensland, to Southeast Queensland, and um, I had kind of decided that it would also be an opportunity for me to step outside my comfort zone. So if you like, I was going to do things that I love doing. So obviously spending time with my mate, we do a lot of fishing and basically a lot of nature sort of focused up bushwalking, four-wheel driving, stuff like that. I wanted to meet uh, people who I'd connected with through Instagram who had shared interests and so forth. And I, you know, I feel like I want to put faces to names, mm-hmm. you know, there was including yourself in, in that, that experience. And, and I also decided that I was going to do some stuff, as I said, outside my comfort zone. And it was only two weeks, right? When I relive that, that experience, it feels like half a lifetime mm-hmm. um, because there was so much personal growth occurred in that two weeks. So I'm going to start at the end and then we can work back through it if you like. Yep, sounds good. The main, the, the turning point for me was towards the end, the last 24 hours. Um, my mate Nuts and I, because he's not, not a fan of television, right? And for a whole range of personal circumstances, a marriage breakdown, you know, he's had to move back to the family home while he gets himself reestablished. And so you can appreciate what it's like. You don't necessarily want to have boy chat in front of your mate's mum. Like there's, there's a time and place for that, mm-hmm. but you want to have your own space. So we'd actually go out and we'd have shed time mm-hmm. and we basically pull up crates in the evening and we'd sit around on these crates, usually with some music playing in the background and we'd just talk and we could talk for hours. We're good at that. And in this particular shed time moment, there would be quite often, um, we'd be kind of challenging each other. And the one thing that my mate Nuts was good at was calling me out. You know, if he saw something, he thought, yeah, I'm just going to call you out on that. And we'd have, a, we'd have some very long and heartfelt conversations about that. But it was always conveyed with the notion of nurturing and care. Mm-hmm. And on the last night during Shed Talk, and uh, we had a very brief one because I'd actually managed to fall asleep early. Um, he actually said to me, the one thing I'm not looking forward to is you driving out tomorrow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a- you just sit there for a moment, you digest that. Yeah. And, and, and it was almost like, I think at that, that split second for me, the last two weeks, you know, just flicks through your mind, through, through your memory, as just like a series of like still photographs, just rapid fire one after another. And then he hit me with the question, and I had a funny feeling this was coming, he goes, what's been the biggest thing you've learnt in this oh. time that you've been here? I like that question. That's a yeah. really good question. <laughs> What's been the biggest thing you've learned? And I remember I was looking at him and, you know, when you, it's almost like you've just been cornered by a teacher. You haven't done the reading, so you don't know the answer. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, I don't have to answer this in a hurry, so I need to think on this. And I remember I said to him, I've learned a lot about myself and where I do best. And by that, I meant, I'm, and, I, and I phrased it perhaps a little poorly at the time. And I said, I'm a really great mate. I'm a really crap boyfriend. All right, that's how, I, that's how I said it, right? Hmm. And he sort of, he didn't challenge me on it necessarily, but I could see there was a degree of, I think you're being a bit hard on yourself, mate. <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah. I said, no, I said, I just look at the, the, the kind of interaction 
that I have with my friends. And I, you know, there was some, there were some moments that tested some friendships, which was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And that required a lot of honesty. It required a lot of those hard chats. And, um, but we talked it through, not, not just through between nuts and I, but between me and other people as well. And, and I think that was what I took away from it. And, and I remember because of that, that comment, you know, watching you drive away is going to be really hard tomorrow. When I actually did get to the point of driving away, mm. I'll be upfront, Mitch, you know, there was a lot more going on in my head and my heart at that moment that I perhaps had prepared myself for mm-hmm. because I was probably aware of how I was feeling, but also how someone else was. Yeah. And, and I'll be upfront. I did not want to go. You know, it was probably the longest two day, two, three day drive back to where I was working at the time in the Southern States um, of my life. I could have done it a lot faster than I did, but I really, really dragged my heels. Closer I got to where I needed to be, the less I wanted to be there. And I think that really defined the two weeks. So I guess from that, um, there were some moments where, you know, we had to, I was part of like acknowledging loss, for example. Yeah, my mate lost his dog, you know, his, mm-hmm. his companion, his best mate. Yeah. And, you know, we had to bury him at sea. And there mm-hmm. was just that moment where there were three of us bobbing out near Morton Island mm-hmm. you know, in the ocean. And it was just still and silent. And it was, yeah, and it was just three of us just standing there on a boat. We let the ashes go. A couple of tributes went overboard. And then we all sort of look around going, no, not going to cry in front of you, not going to cry in front of you. Yeah. Um, and it's not like anything else more than that need to be said. I think the other thing was um, doing my first ever uh, professional photo shoot. And I went there with no concept of what was involved. And yeah. I remember, I remember <laughs> sorry, go. Oh, sorry, I'll keep cutting off. But yeah, I remember having that conversation because I remember, I think it was the day of that we met up that morning and... <laughs> Yeah, and it was the first thing that you told me pretty much once you sat down. <laughs> yeah, and mainly because I was probably panicking about what was involved. The second yeah. thing was I knew that I was on a time, there was a time thing I had to get from where, where we were up on the sunny coast yeah. to southern Brisbane mm. uh, on time. And so, yeah, I think that's why I actually brought it up. It was more about, Mitch, I've got to make sure that I'm on the road and heading south of Brisbane by this time. Yeah, you're mm. absolutely right. But the thing that I learned from that was there were two things. One of my good mates, Hamish, he had told me about what it's like to do a photo shoot with this particular photographer who's an absolute artist. And he, he just gave me, you know, sometimes someone will just give you that little gem, that little piece of intel where you go, ah, it's useful. And he said, you really know when he's got the shot, when he does this kind of dance. So, you know, he'll take the shot and then he'll kind of jump around and do this little dance just on the spot. And I think it was the third or fourth shot after the shoot had started, that the dance occurred. And it was almost like um, this feeling overcomes you and you go, I've done it. I've yeah. done it. I've, I have delivered as the subject what he's after. And once you get that, once you actually achieve that, then you go, right, now what was it I was doing again that obviously got the dance? Right, I think I was doing this. Mm-hmm. And the, the reality was um, I learned a lot about uh, body positivity. And that was the key mm-hmm. message. Of the, the, the photography shoot wasn't just a case, you know, stand in front of the camera and pose and carry on. There was a lot more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And it was very much about challenging my own boundaries, but very much about body positivity and and celebrating 
all of our bodies, you know, the physical and the emotional form and being able to, I suppose, peel away the layers um, and say, you know what, we are who we are. And the body we've got is the one we create. Mm. Uh, sure, genetics plays part in it, but we, we also create it. And, um, and just let's celebrate that. And, you know, if you want to be better, then there are ways you can do that. If you yeah. want to feel better within yourself, you can do that. Mm. But um, I think that, you know, in addition to just that kind of primal male bonding, you know, when I talk about shed talk, you know, that's what we'd do. We'd sit down. Sometimes we'd talk about the day. Sometimes we'd talk about, you know, stuff either of us were going through and um, maybe we'd witnessed uh, one doing something or saying something. And then around that, for me, when I say stepping outside the comfort zone, that's a bit of a throwaway line, but it was actually putting my money where my mouth was and saying, you know, I celebrate um, who I am, you know, and I'm, I'm actually proud of who I've become. And I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to step outside of just me, you know, whacking a, a photo up on Instagram and actually do something through the eyes of someone else and see what they see. And when you, get, I don't know if you've ever done this yourself, but when you get an image back, it's probably like when you cut someone's hair and you know, you nail it and you look at it and go, mm -hmm. that is it. That is absolutely, it. this does not get any better for you. And that's exactly that moment, mm -hmm. you know, and um, walking away from that, I, I will be up front. It becomes very addictive because mm -hmm. I don't know, it just triggers something in you. I want to do more. What else can you do? I want to do more. So yeah, that was definitely um, a highlight. I've got one more, unless you want to explore anything more about the photo shoot. <laughs> I was gonna, just before we jump into that one more, like how did, what, what kind of emotions came up before the photo shoot, especially around self-acceptance and all that? Cause I'd like to dive down a little deep on that. Cause it's, this is something I haven't done myself before. And I've actually, had a, a previous girl I was seeing and she's like, why don't you do it? I'm like, oh, it's just not my thing. So. Okay. So it was good meeting up with you. Let's just go back in context. It was good meeting up with you in the morning because mm. I think that just kind of eased me into the, what am I doing this afternoon? What have I got myself into moment? And, and I think by us having a conversation and, you know, you help with recording, don't sweat the small stuff and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. There was a degree of like life normal, you know, mm -hmm. meeting someone I feel I know, it's really great to be able to sit down in, in your home space or, you know, your local space and have a coffee and all that stuff. And then just think about the length of the drive between where you and I were and, you know, the southern suburbs of Brisbane. It's, it's about an hour and a half if anyone wants to know. <laughs> a lot of time in your own headspace. Mm -hmm. And I can genuinely look you in the eye and say that for at least one hour and 15 minutes of that, I did not give what I was about to do a thought. It was in my head, I was, <laughs> this sounds so creepy when I say it out loud. I was turning up at a random bloke's house to have my photo taken. You know, if I sum it up like that, that's how I put it. And that's okay. You know, I, I'd consciously chosen <laughs> to do this. And I hadn't given another thought. Mm. And it was only in the last 15 minutes while I was driving through the Southern suburbs, trying to find the location that a work colleague rang. And it was almost like, I, you know, in my head, I'd kind of almost meditated myself into this space of acceptance going, yep, it's okay. No one sees the photos unless you want them to just, just deep breathe and go with it. Like, I think that was about the level of thought that I had at that time. And I got smacked back into reality by this work phone call. 
and I suddenly had to kind of bring myself back to a completely different persona. And it was almost like, I've actually got to pay attention to what you're asking me right now, because you're, you, you, this, the client was asking me on an advisory capacity and also trying to fill in some you know, historical things that led to a decision point. Yeah. So that went on for about 10 minutes, the last 15. Mm-hmm. And so by the time then that I actually landed outside the, the, the location for the photo shoot, um, I then had to kind of recenter myself. But because my head was still spinning with this work thing, and you know, the first thing I'll be honest with you, Mitch, I did at that point in time was kill my phone. I said, right, no more calls. I yeah. really it's just like airplane mode. <laughs> That's it, exactly right. Um, and I was greeted by the photographer. He he came out and met me, and um, and as soon as I met him, I just remember thinking, I'm completely comfortable. So in between, obviously, telling you what I was up to that day and even the 90-minute commute to it, I really I really had no, I don't know whether I just numbed myself into not getting, you know, overwhelmed by it or anything like that. I just just went with it. It actually felt, you know, when there's, you know, sometimes I think the universe guides us a little bit mm-hmm. and it just says, just go with it. Just go with it just let yourself roll through this and it will be what it will be. And I think the other thing was um, one of my uh, mentors uses this brilliant phrase, you know, in life we should aim to be you know, playfully serious and seriously playful. And I think there was an element of that involved as well. And, and that's pretty much how I rocked up. Greeted at the car um, because the nature of the first shoot had a whole bunch of props involved and, you know, had boxes of props, uh, which is basically clothing. And, um, and it just was like, I walked in, got shown the space, you know, had to have a, noilet, a nervous toilet stop. But after that, it was just like music went on, three shots in the happy dance and two and a half hours went by and it was like, wow. And it felt like 15 minutes. I genuinely, it just flew by and um, yeah, can't wait to do more. <laughs> that's awesome because it's like when you like I guess like you're having like a normal day it kind of drops that I guess the expectation your mind creates of what's going to happen and that's what it kind of sounds like they just went through the expectation just dropped there was no expectation of how this is going to be it's just acceptance of what's happening and I think that's like the most like with anything in life when you can drop that expectation that's when things end up being a lot more better than you expected or it's not as you know go in different avenues with that and i think the the conversation you have with the artist so it's regardless of whether it's you're sitting for a photograph you're sitting for a portrait doesn't matter what it is right Mm -hmm. sitting for a podcast i think one of the the most important parts is that golden five or ten minutes at the start Mm -hmm. where you're just building the rapport and understanding going right what are you looking for and i remember when i was asked that when dylan asked me that question first up i just said I want to be taken outside my comfort zone, right? And I remember I said that and I said, and I thought I could regret saying this, you know. Um, I do remember thinking that at the time. But the reality was what you said about expectation, I went in there with none other than I wanted to, I volunteered to challenge my own boundaries, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's be very clear. I This one wasn't forced into doing it or wasn't coerced. I did it free of my own free will. Therefore, I went there with no more expectations other than I want to do this to challenge my own boundaries, to to challenge the limits I put on myself. 
And so the best way to sum it up is the whole experience is that once you get through a few of the kind of setup shots, so they work out, you know, things like lighting and angles of your body and, and that sort of stuff, you end up then just becoming a glorified um, mannequin. So a puppet. And they dress you up in different things and they make you do different poses. And then when you see the um, the finished product, you know, when you see the image back, what you think it looks like in your in your mind's eye is nothing like what the camera captures. And that's the skill of a really good photographer. You know, they they know their craft well and they just are able to, to sort of like, you know, and they sit there and they take 16 shots and they'll show you one. And, and I'm the kind of person, again, probably that curiosity kills cats, makes journalist mentality where I go, no, 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 I want to see the other 15. And I'll tell you, they're rubbish. Don't worry about them. This is the one you want. Yeah, I'm and, the same with that too. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I yeah. want to see that 15. There's got to be one in there. They go, no, they're rubbish. Um, you know, you were doing this, you were doing that. You don't want to see that. That'll just ruin your confidence. Just focus on the good one. And so, yeah, for me, I think the, um, the, the experience was brilliant. It was incredibly liberating. And I remember coming um, back from it, um, and of course it was a bit like show and tell. Our childlike behaviour kicks in, and yeah. you know, I went to nuts. And he said, "How was it?" I said, "Oh my lord, it was fantastic." And so it was a really, really great experience. And um, look, I'm not saying everyone has to do it; it may not be everyone's bag. Uh, but, you know, I, I went there with this particular ph photographer because they specialise in a particular thing. And, you know, a lot of people sit there and think, oh, you know, was it one of those cheesy glamour shot things? No, this was a guy whose photography is very much about art. And that was the experience I wanted to have. Not just go and get a nice photo taken. It was actually about getting an image that had an artistic element to it. And what I wanted to do is subject myself or put myself in the position of being the subject letting the artist create the image they wanted to see. And, you know, when you sort of allow yourself to be that free and that vulnerable, um, you know, it's incredibly liberating. And, and I think it's because of that liberation that we then go, hey, I want to do more of that. I want to see what else we can create, what other magic you can create. Yeah, because art's so cool, what you can create with it, especially when you allow the artists just to do their thing and, you know, let them have free range of creating. Because, like, a lot of the time is you can go like I want this I want that but then the artists probably they just have that skill set sometimes they just kind of know that a little bit better than you do in that field that they can create something that you have like as you're pretty much explaining that you have this that wow factor it's like whoa I did not expect that at all mm -hmm. and you look at it and go I didn't realize I look like that it's it's much like um, you know, I, I mean, I trained in radio, for example, and one of the first things you get taught right from day one when you're becoming a radio presenter is your voice does not sound to the listener like what we hear because of the way in which our voice resonates inside our head. So the way you sound to yourself is very different to the way I hear you and vice versa. And I think the same applies then with the visual element. You know, I have a, a kind of a mental construct of what I look like. And then when the camera captures that and you've got the, the artistic eye applying to it, and particularly because they're trying to capture something about you or something about the, that, that moment in time, that's what's incredibly powerful. And as I said, when I, I got the images back, I just looked at them and went, and half of them, I don't even remember them being taken. That's how, that's how um, immersed in the experience you become. It's incredibly multi-sensory. You know, there, there's, there's, there's stuff affecting your hearing, your sense of sight, you know, touch, 
all of that, it in yeah, it basically immerses you into it, and the time. That's why the time flies. And um, it was, as I said, it was just one of those things which really, for me, um, was a cornerstone of of that two weeks in Brisbane. One of many, but it was certainly one of the big ones. Mm. And like to bring it back a little bit, what you're saying of like everyone, you know, hears you differently, sees you differently too. Kind of reminds me of this quote of like meme kind of thing I saw it's like everyone has in everyone's mind there's a different version of you so everyone like sees you from a different perspective and then you've got your own version of yourself and all that so that's what kind of remind me of what you just said then and um, yeah I'll jump back on to I guess the last little bit you're going to talk about just after the photo shoot Mm -hmm. so I think the the amazing thing were um just the the connections so I was lucky, you know, I went there, I had the gift of time. Um, I was staying with a good mate, mate that I've got an established friendship with over many years. And we did a lot of great stuff together. And then there were these amazing moments where I met, people reached out to me, okay? Now, some of these people may have been people like yourself where, you know, I knew you because of, you know, the common platform that we met on and so forth. And so for me, I felt like, you know, just being like um, 45 minutes down the road to not at least make an effort to come up and say good day is really poor form on my part. And then there were the, I I always remember uh, the Thursday after after the photo shoot. I know it was the Thursday, it might've even been the, the second Thursday. The time actually doesn't matter, but this just highlights one of these moments. I got this message, this direct message from someone I followed on Instagram who's, work I really admired like you know again they're very much about body positivity they're very much about celebrating their journey and to be honest Mitch I can remember up to that point in time my knowledge of this individual was that they they really enjoyed um, the freedom of being a nature so naked in nature and they liked capturing that and they did it in a very tasteful and artistic way and I just want to emphasize that for a moment because it's important and this this guy reached out to me Brad and he said look um, I'd really like to meet you. Um, he said, I'd really like to, I'm making an effort to meet some of my uh, Instagram followers who actually engage with what I'm trying to do. And he said, I love what you do. And he said, I'd really like to meet you. And I'd really like to cook you breakfast on the beach on Sunday. Wow. That's a, that sounds cool. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> like, you know, and, and it was just to sum that up, so to fast track to that Sunday, you know, it's that I'm the guy wearing the yellow carnation. That's how you'll pick me, you know, in the, in the crowd of dog walkers on a beach. And um, the way in which he actually spotted me, he goes, um, I knew you and I knew your boots, right? That was what that's what he said. I knew that was you because of your footwear and what you drove. I went, oh, great. I like the fact that I've got a trademark. That's just fantastic. And we sat down and we, we cooked, um, he cooked this breakfast by the beach. We talked about life. And he opened up, now getting back to that message about vulnerability, he opened up about what 2020 was for him and what his journey had been. So this was what, April 2021. And he told me about what he went through in 2020 and how COVID and what happened in terms of the various um, strategies, lockdowns and so forth, did to him, all right? How he was caught up in all of that. And basically, you know, he lost his mum. Um, she passed away and that was incredibly difficult because he was from northern New South Wales. This is obviously in southeast Queensland, so there was a border issue there for starters. 
and uh, his partner had also had some very serious health issues, which I understand are okay now. But at the time, you know, on top of COVID, he's also a small business owner. You know, you're nurturing all of that and, and these other life-challenging events. And he talked about the impact um, that his mum had had on him and his life. And you could just tell by the way that he spoke. And he was being incredibly honest and very present and very vulnerable himself that she had a very profound um, impact. And the one thing I remember him saying, and if Brad listens to this, he'll probably be horrified that I'm misquoting him, but the message was clear. She basically left him with one of the most powerful messages a parent could leave a child. And that was just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep making yourself proud, right? So Brad, if you do listen to this podcast, I do apologize if I've misquoted you, but I know that was the essence of what your mum said. And I just remember at that moment and, you know, trying to sort of do a rough calculation of the age difference between Brad and I. And I sat there and I thought, wow, I have not experienced anything, anything remotely close to this in my lifetime than what you've gone through. And right now, I am struggling to understand what that must have been like. There is, I mean, I can be as empathetic as I like, but I struggle to try and connect and understand how that must have been for you. And, and he's, he's, he still is one of the most um, sharing, caring people. You know, it was just, it was just the most amazing experience. You know, there beachside, we actually ended up sitting at a table that apparently was occupied by a coffee club and their dogs. So they made a point of sort of saying that to us. And we said, well, it's our table today, bad luck. And uh, carried on with our breakfast. And at the end of it, Mitch, um, because we met through body positivity as a kind of core cool message, I've never, ever been this bullshit in my life, but I just remember turning to him saying, are we going to do a photo shoot today or what, right? And I remember the words fell out of my mouth and, and I said, oh, good Lord. You know, this guy's <laughs> just poured his heart and soul out to you. And that's, that's your opening remark to the next part of the, the morning, you know? And he looked at me and, he, and I thought, oh, that's a no. And he said, of course, I've already got the locations picked out. I've already gone up <laughs> and done a couple of test shots. And so, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and, and we went off and we did the photos. And do you know, there's this thing, and, and I mean, I know we talk about, you know, emotional vulnerability and all of that, and it probably ties together a couple of themes. I know vulnerability has kind of been a theme here, and I'm not saying that 2021 was all about being vulnerability, but a lot of it was about exploring it. The fact that, you know, you're standing, <laughs> you're standing naked in nature in a with a stranger, getting a photo taken, and you know, you have to time it in such a way because Queensland has quite strict rules about this. And we did it. And the moment that we, you know, basically got dressed again to walk back to our cars, the relationship and the conversation shifted. It was almost like I'm walking alongside someone that I've known for half my lifetime because there's, there's, there's nothing left. You know, we, we've basically said, spoken and shown all that you can say, speak and show. And so as a result, I'm not saying everyone has to do this, by the way, but I'm just simply saying it was a very profound moment. And I remember turning around at one point and I just said to him, where's this bloke been? Because this is not the guy that I just spent 45 minutes having breakfast with by the beach. Like this, this guy's funny. I like this guy. I relate to you. You got the same warped sense of humor I've got. But I think by going through that process, by actually understanding where he came from in his journey, and then sharing that moment and having a laugh and, you know, having to dodge fishermen, beach walkers and so forth. And then yeah. walking back, debriefing, if you like, 
um, you know, we formed a, a really great friendship and he, and he is one of the many that I look forward to, to seeing when I go back there. So I guess, you know, when I think about that two weeks in Queensland as part of 2021, as I said, you know, just the feeling I went through of leaving and not wanting to go back to normal life, not even wanting to contemplate going back to normal life. I want the, wanted the journey to continue. And I think the really neat way of kind of summing that up is about three or four days later, my good mate Nuts and I are on the phone as we want to do. He said, you know, I think you should move up here. And I went, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, I think you should. Yeah, I think it'd do you the world of good. He said, that two weeks, that was just a taste. I think now what you've got to do is you've got to actually move up here and you've got to throw yourself into it a bit. And I remember laughing at the time and saying, Nuts, do you think that's a wise idea? I mean, you saw for yourself, you know, what I did in two weeks, you know, imagine that being longer he said no I think it only can be good for you and so as a result I made the decision I want to go up there and continue the journey and and I think that's the the way I sum up 2021 Mitch it was just a warm-up act you know there was so much personal growth went on in 2021 I was tested and tried like the, the rest of us but when I sum it up it had challenges it had moments of brilliance um, but it was a warm-up act and that's, that's really how I stitched that year together. And I can't wait. I really cannot wait. Mm, I perfectly agree with you on that. And like sum up pretty much my 2021, when I actually sat down and reflected over it on it for the last couple of weeks, it's pretty much been the same. It's much as like we, you know, as the year that it was that we all got, you know, you get caught up in the whole, the negativity stuff. But about how much of it was a growth year and how much like, even like listening to your story, even a bit of mine, like I pushed myself to my limits. I did things I wouldn't normally do and all that stuff, even like um, I guess the end of 2020s when I moved up from South Brisbane um, up to here, the sunny coast, and then how much I've grown as a person and I've started to create, you know, different things that I've always wanted to create it and started to be the person that I've always wanted to be or knew I could be or even actually extend further than that. Do you, for you personally, is there is there a standout from your own 2021 experience? Like I've, I've had the indulgence of talking a little bit about mine, but I'm curious to know, Mitch, for you, what was, what was your, you know, I guess if you like, profound moment for 2021? Like where, is there something that occurred for you that you went, yeah, this is it. This is, this is kind of that little thing for me that really has defined the year and if you like just push me that bit further forward than it where I needed to be within myself what was where was that for you for 2021 that's I like that question that's really good um so I would say my I probably have two big moments with that and mine would be my, my biggest like thing would be like hosting my own event um beforehand i you know, I tried to do the same thing as you. I went to a friend's, um, a friend of a friend's birthday party kind of thing beforehand, had a bit of food, ate and all that stuff. And then when I got there, that's when the nerves kicked in. When I got to the venue, um, I had friend, I had people running late. I had all this stuff going on. Um, and then also being that nervous myself, but I hadn't, I was lucky enough. I had my sister there and, yeah, we're setting up, we're kind of, you know, people started kind of rocking up and that. And then that's when 
the nerves kicked in. I went to freeze. I started freaking out. I'm like, am I capable of this? I didn't even know that I could do this. Blah, blah. What did I get myself into? And then biggest thing was that kind of my sister just, you know, stood me there and she goes, you know what? You've done similar stuff before, but co-hosting with other people, you can do this. Whatever, you know, just go with the flow. Whatever comes up, it will be right. And then I remember like everyone came in, did like a little introduction and I just went in the first couple sentences. I was kind of a bit nervous and then I just dropped into flow. And when I was doing the event and all that, everything just came so naturally. And, and then I remember like having had a mate come with me afterwards after the event, we had dinner and all that. And all of them said it felt like an actual event that they've been to, that someone else has been hosting for years. And I was like, okay, this has might have been my little gift thing. And then one of the big things that's probably been dragged out over the last year is like doing my own work and self-acceptance and all that, is that how much that I've started to reach out to my own family? Because like growing up, had issues and all that kind of stuff. And now that, that I've started to accept myself, there's more that I've started to accept them for who they are and how much that's been, you know, reciprocated and how much now we can, you know, ring up and have a phone call and kind of just like calm each other down and put us into, you know, back into that neutral zone and how much the better the relationships have come over the last year because we've all had our different waves and woes and that, all that and how much close of our network is, even though I'm an hour and a half, nearly two hours away from them and then they're down there, but like how much that relationship has grown. That's fantastic. I mean, and the, the fact that you can look at that and uh, see the growth and see where it can take you. And I, and I think, you know, um, one key message I often come back to is, you know, and it's a quote by John Lennon. Um, and for those who don't know, he was one of the four of the Beatles. And he said, life is what passes you by when you're busy planning it. Mm -hmm. All right. I think it doesn't hurt to have some direction. And I'm, you know, if you, anyone listening to this who knows me, knows me well, will know, but I'm always a man with a plan. Well, yeah, yeah, I've got an idea. Sometimes the concept, there, there are different levels of plan. But I think part of it is allowing things to evolve. Now, we can guide it. You know, we can sort of throw the universe some ideas and go, well, this is what I'm after. And, you know, they, if she listens, sometimes she delivers. And um, by making ourselves open to what can come from some of these events, you know, we can be pleasantly surprised. And it's brilliant when you do get to that point of, and I love the, the fact that you reflected on your own self-acceptance, because I, I, I think that's the most beautiful gift you can give yourself. You know, it's just to say, you know what, I'm doing the best I can and that's okay. And, you know, that self-compassion, self-acceptance is something that is vital. Uh, and we can then use that to propel us to do other great things. You know, once we sort of go, you know what, hey, actually, I am good at what I do and I am doing the best I can. And, you know, there'll, there'll always be people on the sidelines. Mitch will be prepared to say, you can always do better. Well, sure. That's fine. Thank you for that constructive feedback. All feedback's an opportunity for improvement. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I park it. Sometimes I listen to it. But more often than not, I'll just sort of acknowledge it and just go, yeah, but I, I know what I want to do. I know what my plan is. But you remain open and flexible to what other opportunities come along. Okay, A lot of the stuff we've talked about, particularly in relation to that two weeks in, in Queensland, that was quite unplanned. In fact, of all of that, 
one thing had been booked in before I crossed the border. And that was the photo shoot. And that was just because you need to you know, have a date and a time. Nothing else prior to me landing in Queensland had been organised. Everything happened, dare I say it, organically. And all I said was, I'm turning up on this date and I think I should leave by that date. Pretty much anything else that occurred in between, it was all down to circumstance, really. And I think that was the best part about it. And as you say, you know, these you just put yourself in those moments and say, you know what? It will be what it'll be, and you can always do better next time, but at least give yourself the opportunity to learn and grow. And I think that's the best part. And I, I love hearing when people have, you know, within themselves have, have had moments of self-acceptance. It's a, a really beautiful thing. So well done, you. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I think that's like the biggest theme for this year is just my 2022 is self-acceptance as well. And then I would a few other themes for this year as well. And yeah, to come back to what you're saying, it's like, yeah, it's good to have a plan, but then it's like, I always think of this stuff as well. It's like, yeah, I have a plan in place, but I'm going to be flexible with it because it's always could be something better to come up. And I don't want to get too, you know, stuck on that one track with that plan. So it's like being flexible with what comes up. Because I get asked this question a lot. It's like, what's your plans? I'm like, I have this idea, have that idea. But an actual fact is I'm like, whatever shows up for me, that's what I'll kind of do. And whatever I feel a calling towards to do, that's what I'll end up doing. Like I, I'll sit down and come up with a plan like I do most years. But in actual fact, how many times I stick to that plan and end up doing something completely else is probably nine times out of 10. Yep. And, and that, I think, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to have, you know, a plan that's based on goals. And mm -hmm. I, you know, someone actually asked me this the other day, um, they said, so what's your plan for 2022? And I said, oh, that's easy. And they went, oh, yeah, of course you've got an answer for that. And I said, well, it's to finish the year better than I started it. Mm. And they go, what's that look like? And I said, I just want to be even more happier at the end of 2022 than I was at the end of 2021. And, you know, already well and truly on the road to that. So I think that, you know, continuing your own growth and, you know, I'm not going to uh, deny the fact that I'm excited by the fact that, you know, being able to share the space with you, you know, for the first half of this year in a couple of months and being able to be potentially part of that um, is going to be fantastic because, mm. you know, it's always brilliant. You know, if you can imagine like our future selves in 2023 recording a similar podcast, going, hey, let's talk about 2022 now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if, if 2021 was the warm-up act you described, well, you know, how did the main event occur? And I think that, you know, that's sometimes when I think about planning, that's what I often do. You know, if my, my overall objective is to be a better person than I was today, this time next year, then the future self can sort of say, well, that looks something like this, you know? So at any opportunity where you have an opportunity to do the following things, grab it with both hands and, um, and, and make the most of those opportunities because you never know if they're gonna come back. You know, whatever's presented to you at the time, grab it and, and, and run with it. And, um, and just know that at the time, it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Definitely spot on with that, man. Um, yeah, to wrap it up on this question, man, what is, um, what's three pieces of, say, short advice you would give most people that's go around men's mental health? Yeah, all right. So I'm not a clinician, so I always steer away from um, advice as such. I just, mm -hmm. There's a connotation of the word, so I'll give yeah. insight. How about insight? Insight sounds good. 
All right, so my first thing is um, the best time to go out and have some kind of mental health plan is when you're in your A game, all right? Not when you're hit a moment of crisis. And if I was to particularly talk to the, the men and the blokes of the world, I'd go, I am pretty certain that most of you, whether you stick to it or not, have some kind of meal plan, some kind of workout plan or exercise plan, whatever you call it. You're gonna have some idea, whether you're following a particular program or doing a certain thing in the gym or whatever, whatever is your bag, I'm pretty certain that most guys out there have something. If not, they're aspirationally wanting to do it. They just need a bit of a shove to do it. I would just add the third plan to that. And that is that you have a mental wellness plan, not a mental health plan, a mental wellness plan. And that's putting together the right supports for you. All right. So for me, I'm lucky I've got a great psychologist. I've got a great wellness coach and I've got an incredibly um, well defined, I suppose is the wrong word. Curated is probably a better word. They'll hate that. Five close mates. So, you know, if, if you want to research sociology, Robin Dunbar came up with the fact that all of us need five close friends, not family members, friends. These are people we are not biologically related to and are generally we don't work with. We may, but that's not necessarily the driver. I'm lucky I've got five. Right? And I interact with those five daily. And that's the key delineator from a friend and an acquaintance. So I interact with these five in varying degrees every single day. And having you know, two professionals and those five people as part of my support network, that keeps me grounded because I know, and I've had to, where I've hit those rocky moments where I've had to go, I need help. We're not quite yet at the professional stage, but I just need someone to hear me out, maybe just reassure me that I'm okay, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing. So have a mental wellness plan is the main thing that I put out there. The, the other thing I'm big on, and maybe it's just part of the whole driver around like knowledge and learning, go out and learn and skill yourself in areas of mental health um, first aid. There are a number of programs out there. I'm not going to advocate one over another, um, but you know, if we if we learn the basics of, of first aid and CPR, so primary emergency care, then you know what? There is an equivalent to physical first aid with mental health first aid. And I think the more people who become aware of how to connect people with the right supports that they need when they're experiencing a, a challenging time in their lives, the better our world will be, become. We will become incredibly uh, self-reliant. You know, the professionals will always have their place and we should never overlook that. But we, as everyday people in our world, can equip ourselves to recognise when someone's perhaps struggling. And we can have that conversation with them, you know, when I say professionally, in a structured and careful way that can guide that person towards self-realisation, acceptance and seeking help. Because quite often people just don't know what they need. They know something's not right, and they immediately associate that with men in white coats and straight jackets. You know, even it's chronic to think in 2022 that our default image is something like that. And what we say is that doesn't, that does not happen. You know, that's in an extreme forensic criminal case. You know, we're, we're talking about everyday people who are struggling and there are supports there. We just need to connect you with the right support. And sometimes those supports are not the clinicians. They're the you and me, Mitch, mm. right? It's just that you've got to find the right Mitch and the right Andy to do that. 
And so I think that's that's something I definitely uh, would have a case number two. And then the third one, um, it's, it's sort of a double banger for you. It's about acknowledging and understanding. And if you like, if you check the oil and the, and the, and the air in your tyres of your car, I'd also suggest every now and then check in with your own resilience, right? And the best way to describe resilience is, is just imagine it's an elastic band. And every now and then, you know, our elastic band in life gets stretched a bit tight. And that's us being pushed. You know, we're being stressed out a little bit. And just taking note how quickly that elastic band comes back to a relaxed state. You know, does it take days? Does it take hours? Can you get your shit under control within a couple of minutes? So checking with your resilience and on the back of that, checking in with self-care. And, you know, there is nothing wrong with making time for you because by investing in that self-care time, you're actually investing in your resilience. And what that helps you do is, is remain in a space where you can recognise when something's not quite right. And if it's getting to the point where you can't get the elastic band back into its relaxed state on your own, you can then reach out and get someone else. It could just be a mate. Like, as I said, I had a recent experience and I went to two of my five. I knew that they were available at that moment. And I just said, this just happened. This is how I feel. They can't fix it. It wasn't about fixing it. So let's get forget the fixing part. They just, you know, helped me reconnect with who I was and go, are you okay? I go, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm safe, I'm fine. But this issue is something I need to manage. So got the elastic band back to where it should be. Went to sleep and slept it off. So have a mental wellness plan, uh, increase your own knowledge in terms of things like mental health first aid, cannot speak more highly of that. And just check in with your resilience and make time for self-care are uh, the three, three pieces, three insights that, that I'd share with anyone who listens today. Yeah, they're very good ones. And they're some of the ones that I even sat back and like, oh, actually, I need to implement some of them as well. So, and I was like, especially the resilience one and the way you said it, it's like checking in on your resilience band. It's like, oh, you know, that is actually a really good one. It's just like checking in how you, can you bring you back, you know, back to center kind of thing. So, yeah. Someone just on that mission in closing, I know that we've got to be mindful of time, but just someone often asked me, well, how do I check in with my resilience? Like, you know, it's not like I can, like a blood test where I can go ping and it tells me. So, well, the best way to think about your resilience, if, and this probably appeals to someone in Southeast Queensland, if you walk into a room and that room's hot and stuffy, we, we control the climate, yeah? We put on an air conditioner and we reduce the environment so that it's more comfortable for us. Well, our resilience is the same thing. If we find ourselves in a space where we feel uncomfortable, it's what can we do that brings us back to that feeling of comfort? And so, you know, there are different analogies. I've used, I'm talking to particularly guys in, in sort of the rural communities. They, they use equipment. You monitor equipment with a whole bunch of dials. Those dials will tell you whether or not the piece of equipment you're using is functioning well, or maybe it's being overstretched. And, you know, if the needle goes into the red, that usually means like jump, this thing's about to explode. So it's really just about knowing how you keep your needle in the green. And the same thing applies, you know, it's walk into a stuffy hot room, you put the air conditioner on, you reduce it so it's a comfortable space to be. And that's how I that's how I get people to check in with their resilience. Yeah, I love the way they explain that as well. It's <laughs> it's perfect way to explain it as well to a T. Thank you. 
that. Yeah, thank you, man, for coming on today. I really enjoyed today's chat. Um, yeah, I've got a bit out of it as well, and thanks for the time. And I've, I really enjoyed talking to you, Mitch. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of months. Go well, mate. Cheers. See ya. All right, cheers for tuning in today's podcast today, guys. Um, give it a like, comment, let us know what you think and all that jazz. Um, also, too, if um, you think it will value a friend, feel free to share it with them. Um, what else, too, if you want to support the podcast, that little extra bit, um, feel free to head over to my website at www.mitchellcrocker.com to purchase a T-shirt or head over to Patreon, which I'll link that down and below. And if there's any way that I can support you guys at all, feel free to send me a DM and any of my social media sites or head over to mitchellcrocker.com for all my services and programs and all that kind of stuff. You need that extra support and all that. But yeah, thank you again for tuning in today's podcast today, guys. Couldn't do this without you. But yeah, so peace.